0: This podcast is brought to you by Morant.
1: Thank you for joining us for this podcast, looking at Jersey's new Parental Leave framework. I'm Laurie Child, a member of the employment law team at Morant, and with me are Carla Bennet and Katie Phillips. In this session, we're looking at the specific issue of parental pay, what must be paid under the law, what employers need to think about when looking at enhancing pay, and some of the problem areas that may arise. We'll also look at some very early indications of trends starting to emerge. The new reforms came into effect on 28th of June, 2020, having been debated and passed into law in the autumn of 2019. As is well known now, this was the second tranche of significant reform to Jersey's parental leave regime, the first tranche for which came into force in September of 2018. Perhaps the most eye-catching aspect of the new regime, as of 28th of June, is that the concepts of maternity, adoption and paternity leave have disappeared as standalone concepts. First of all, what are the key messages for employers in understanding the new framework?
2: One of the key messages for employers to really take away about the new framework is that parental leave has arguably been overhauled and expanded. In terms of the amount of leave that parents are now entitled to, they're now entitled to 52 weeks of leave. So that's considerably more than under the existing regime. In terms of qualifying service, there is no qualifying service in order to be entitled to those 52 weeks. So it is obviously a lot more um, of a sort of wide um, entitlement than, than, as I said, under the previous family-friendly framework. Parental leave can be taken in up to three blocks of leave for no less than two weeks over a two-year period. So there is some flexibility in terms of when you can take that leave. The only exception being that Birth mothers must take at least six weeks of paid leave immediately following the date of childbirth. So that really leads us on um, in terms of the pay element associated with parental leave. So all expectant parents are entitled to be paid for six weeks by their employer. Um, So that's the statutory position. But what about enhanced pay? as an employer, a sort of consideration to, to look at is whether you are going to offer anything over and above the statutory position.
1: Yes, that's right. If everyone is entitled to six weeks parental pay is a bare minimum. I suppose the first question for employers really is, well, are we going to enhance pay or continue operating enhanced pay at all?
2: And I think that's very much business dependent and specific um, decision really as to whether an employer chooses to offer enhanced pay whilst on parental leave. I think that, very much boils down to both um, an ethos and culture point, really. And you know that's a particular rationale for enhancing parental pay and really can divide opinion. So some employers are really big on creating and supporting work-life balance with real value being placed upon the importance of family time and therefore enhanced parental pay as a result. This is because parental leave and pay is both a key benefit for employees, but it can also be seen as a distinguishing factor from a company's perspective in seeking to entice the best possible candidate for a role. The provision of enhanced parental pay could be the deciding
0: influence as whether to join one employer over another. I think that's a really interesting point. It's a question about whether it gives an employer a competitive edge in terms of simply off enhanced pay. But perhaps the way in which that pay is offered might also lead certain employees to choose to join or not join a particular employer. There's an inclusion question there as well, really, in terms of whether employers will be looking to offer parity in their level of enhancements. For all parents or whether they would look to maintain a distinction between certain parents, of course, as Laurie outlined in his introduction, what the law does now is create one standalone concept of parental leave without differentiating between different groups of parents. So business will need to think carefully about whom enhanced pay will apply to and at what level that enhanced pay will apply at. And that decision, as you say, will no doubt take account of many factors such as culture, competitive advantage, diversity and inclusion, and of course, the commercial impact upon the business in offering enhanced pay. Business could maintain traditional differences between maternity and paternity so that biological mothers benefit from greater levels of enhanced pay. Will it do the same? For adoptive parents and intended parents in a surrogacy, what we're seeing in some businesses is uh, the requirement for parents to identify themselves as either a primary or secondary carer in relation to the relevant birth or adoption. With primary carers generally being afforded greater enhancements.
1: Yes, I means you can see clearly that uh, a parity approach of of enhancing sort of better reflects the statutory position and perhaps the current or traditional set of benefits that has been provided up to this point perhaps less in line even if it is enhanced with the new statutory position i suppose it does look as if employees have a few different options and uh, we're certainly seeing some of those in uh, the policies that that we've been asked to look at Do, do you think that there are going to be risks associated with enhancing pay for some but not other groups of employees
0: there are going to be risks, and I think those risks fall into a couple of different categories, really. You've got mere practical risks in terms of handling different policies and procedures and staff understanding which particular policy applies to them. You've got cultural questions for your organisation and the impact that those differences in treatment may have and what that means for your organisation. But of course, there's also legal risks that are associated uh, with providing different levels of inheritance. So when providing those different levels, the primary legal risk really is whether an imbalance between pay enhancements will give rise to sex discrimination claims, particularly from male employees who are taking partner or secondary care relief. And this is a risk which is entirely within the business's control, as it is the one determining its approach to enhancement of rights. The issue has come before the courts in the UK, but with limited success for the male employees. But the position in Jersey is not yet clear and would not necessarily be influenced by the same approach that has underpinned the UK position. The risk of discrimination could arise in relation to both direct claims and indirect discrimination claims. So a direct discrimination claim from a male employee Like to complain that by enhancing a biological mother entitlement significantly beyond paid partnerly, the business is treating him less favorably, despite being in materially the same circumstances. And new legislation in Jersey does contain a particular provision, which means that a man will be unable to rely on special treatment, which is afforded to a woman in connection with pregnancy or childbirth for these purposes. And so a direct discrimination brought on this basis should fail. However, the position in relation to a direct claim in relation to, for example, a difference in treatment between two adopting parents is different as the law does not provide any such exemption. So the business would need to argue that a male adopter and a female adopter are not in materially comparable circumstances. So in other words, the correct comparator would be a female employee who is likewise taking the partner or secondary care leave. As I mentioned, though, there might also be some risk of an indirect sex discrimination claim. In that scenario, a male partner might complain that the pool of partners in Jersey taking partner leave is statistically more likely to be male and therefore more likely to be adversely affected by non-enhanced partner pay. That type of complaint might be capable of being objectively justified as a proportionate means of achieving a legitimate aim. However, this would need to be supported by appropriate evidence of the business's legitimate aim and the proportionality of its chosen approach. The degree of risk in this area may be even greater when comparing entitlements upon adoption because there is less of a clear reason why special treatment should be afforded to a primary adoptive carer over and above a partner. And the same argument also rings true in relation to intended parents in a surrogacy.
1: No doubt these are issues which at some stage will be the subject of litigation and perhaps test cases in... Jersey. I think that sounds like it will provide degree of clarity to employers in, in years to come. Uh, it'll also be fascinating to see how this develops. Is it too early to be identifying some trends? I think I mentioned that at the start of this session as to how employers are tackling these issues.
2: I think it's fair to say that we've we've seen a real mixed bag as to what employers are offering um, employees by way of enhanced parental pay at the moment. and you know, that really comes with the benefit of being able to design a framework that works for a particular business. Um, So to be honest, we have seen some employers choosing to provide the same level of enhanced pay for all uh, expectant parents, usually based on length of service requirements. Um, and this obviously equalizes the, the position across the board for all parents, provided that they meet the level of qualifying service um, in order to benefit from that enhanced pay. I think it's also on the flip side fair to say that we have seen situations whereby other employers are only providing enhanced pay. For the mother or the primary caregiver um, in an adoption or surrogacy situation and i think as we've touched on really the premise being that uh, in that scenario enhanced pay paid leave is provided for the purpose of of looking after the, the child and for performing the primary function of attending to the child's needs so as mentioned, really, I think it boils down to an, an employer's underlying view as to the purpose and, and value of enhancing parental pay. And we've really seen employers take a whole host of different approaches and offer varying different lengths of parental pay, depending on the size of the organisation um, and, and its resources.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's very apparent, isn't it? Even, even with the new rules being so freshly introduced, these issues around parental pay are not straightforward and are going to require... Careful consideration. I think, as much as posing a challenge, the new regime, though, could allow employers the opportunity to redesign its approach to working families and the sort of culture that the workforce has as a result. It is one area where Jersey seems to be taking a progressive stance and handled carefully, suggests it has the potential for employers to use this as, as a new benchmark. I hope you found this podcast helpful and thank you very much for joining us. We'd, of course, be very happy to. Issues further if you'd like to get in touch, uh, and otherwise, please do join us for future podcasts.
0: Thank you for listening. For more information, please get in touch with your usual Morant contact or visit morant.com.